Welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out not so strongly. Uh, I'm your host, Adil, and today I am joined, as always, by Ben. Hello. Uh, It's just the two of us. We can make it if we try this week. Um, And uh, yeah, we're doing something a little different this week, playing Mm -hmm. with the format, trying to, you know, we're a pretty pretty young podcast, trying to feel out things. Um, And so this time, I've rewatched a thing. Uh, and Ben's not, and I'm going mm-hmm. to try and sell him on it. But really, it's just a chance for me to geek out about something from my childhood. And that yeah. something is also kind of cheated into play because I can't do things normally. It's the book, The Phantom Tollbooth, uh, which is one of my childhood favorites and was really formative for me, um, especially in hindsight, which we'll get to in a sec. Um, but um, we're actually talking about the 1970 film adaptation of the book, mm-hmm. uh, which was a Mel Blanc, um, you know, of Looney Tunes fame uh, movie. Um, adaptation. Sorry, the cat has decided to play. Um, and that was distracting. Um, but yeah, so a couple things. Um, we've got, uh, we've had some feedback. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be worth just chatting about because, like, we're talking about the structure and trying new things. And uh, yeah, cool. Uh, one of the things was, yeah, you know, maybe the recaps, like our one division wrap up episode, kind of mm-hmm. seemed to hit its stride at the after the hour mark, um, just because we spent a little too much time going through the bits and bobs of the episodes at the expense of maybe just general chat, and mm-hmm. the general chat was enjoyed. Um, Although that, uh, as we pointed out, that might have just been um, people don't like Ben. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did disappear after an hour, didn't I? But um... yeah, um, but I get it because I think uh, you know I, I listen to sort of movie podcasts a bunch, but they tend to be longer, and so mm-hmm. get it, going through the detailed beats, get the structure, and, and you know, um, so so you know we're going to try different things going forward, and please um, keep sending in that feedback and let us know what you think. Um, uh, yeah, and the other thing was just people want more Dave, which I, <laughs> I, I agree. That's cool. Um, yeah, I agree as well. We, we've, we've currently got some scheduling issues where he's better to record on a Thursday. I can't record on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, and it might be that we try and find a way that we, you know, swap every few weeks or something like that, that, that we that are dependent on workloads and things that I can rotate in and out and we can swap sort of recording days and, and stuff like that to see... And get a, a a wider range of views on kind of all the stuff we're we're talking about. So, yep. So, um, but yeah. So let us uh, know. Also, for those of you who do tune in live, whether um, I mean, it, it's a lot easier to play with when we uh, if people are flexible or happen mm. to. Sorry, the cat's going mildly insane. He's just. Um... <laughs> I move. I got rid of my desk, but it's still in my room. I just I don't use it. And it's because mm-hmm. the drawer is broken, and I had duct taped the bottom shut so that it wouldn't drop things out the back. Mm-hmm. But it the tape broke, and this time I was just like, no, fuck it. I got this um, shelf. Uh, I'm just gonna get rid of it now. Now the cat, after a week of it being there, has decided the hanging tape is a toy. Mm-hmm. Oh, cats. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you got a lot. Um, so. Um, the reason why I picked Phantom Tollbooth, he says, getting us back on track in the cleanest segue, um, <laughs> fresh from the factory segue, um, is because Norton Juster, the um, author, um, passed away last week. Mm-hmm. And I was very sad. And it just made me think about the book uh, and the movie. And, uh, you know, we do tend to do more film movie stuff. So I thought, oh, maybe we could mm. um, talk or watch the adaptation, which is sort of an interesting thing in and of itself. 
but um, uh, anyway, so so basically, it's it's a children's book uh, about a boy who's bored with life and malaise and hates school, doesn't really like hanging out at home, um, and uh, a a box appears, a wrapped present, giant box appears in his room, um, and he unwraps it and builds a toll booth out of the pieces and then it gets transported to a, a magical land and he learns life lessons and saves the princesses very okay. standard sort of thing kind of never-ending stories type sort of mm-hmm. style of similar beats except he goes right away um but why it's great is it's there's so much in the new the, in the in the world he goes to it's all puns and wordplay and um and the basic conceit is um it was the kingdom of wisdom, and when the old king died, his two sons, uh, Azaz the, um, sorry, I'm going to have to let the cat out. He's just yelling. I'm sure you can hear him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Dorian needs to get out. He's done. Doesn't want to listen to our chat this afternoon, which is fair. Seems fine for a cat not to want to do that. Oh, he's talking shit about me. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, so Azaz is basically uh, the prince who's he 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 runs half the kingdom, and it's a kingdom of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's his brother, the math magician. Nice king kingdom. So kingdom of of numbers. So it's Dictionopolis and Digitopolis. Okay, right, uh, and they basically uh, Azaz is like words are better than numbers. Uh, numbers are better in words and the mathematician and they fight uh and we you know um and so they have the their daughters the princesses of sweet rhyme and sorry let me get this right princess of sweet rhyme and pure reason uh and they say that numbers and words are as good as each other and that makes okay. the king the new kings cross and they banish them to the castle in the air both to the same castle. Yes. Right. Princesses go and castle in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like so a terrible, obvi- terrible plan by the king. Because they're like, well, you know, my, my daughter's saying that uh, these that everything is equal, so I'm just going to send you somewhere else, and I'm going to send you over to the same place. Because obviously neither of you would talk to each other and be able to build upon this in any way whatsoever. Ah, so they're trapped in the castle. It's fine. Um, so, like... I mean, it's a very much a children's book, um, mm. and so Milo, you know, finds out about this, and he gets his his task becomes saving them from the yep. prince, uh, from the thing. Um, but again, it's sort of so light in that respect. So much about it is the like the writing and the words uh, and the playing with notions um, that is, uh, I think, um, why I think the book is fantastic is because. Like for example, they, he meets one of the first characters he meets is Talk, the the watchdog. Okay, Talk. Who, yeah, who is in the in the picture there? Yep. Um, and he has a clock on the side of him because it's a watchdog, mm-hmm. and it ticks. Uh, but he also ends up saving Milo, um, from the doldrums because he gets trapped in the doldrums because he wasn't paying attention. Mm. Um. Uh, and because not only does he watch over time, he also watches over boys. So he's saving, right? Saving Milo, the the character. So it's like 
a lot of that stuff and a lot of it is wordplay and also like aphorisms uh being played with um you know time flies is is actually a key component in the book that mm -hmm. helps them get away from peril at one point because nice. oh he's a watchdog time flies we can fly down the mountain right <laughs> yeah uh yep. and so why i think the book is excellent is because uh it reading it it's not hard to read and it has all this these wordplays and stuff so as you're a child reading it you like have to work out what's going on rather than like on a movie it has to it tends to be more visual stuff and it's less mm. it's less learning i guess because you're not actively going through and reading the word spelling bee and then reading about a giant wasp like thing yes. right like um it's also because it's a book it's more in depth in the descriptions than and so much of it again is this like interplay between like the math magician right like even the math side is still wordplay and so you mm -hmm. lose a lot of what the richness of the work but mm -hmm. again i like them both also the movie itself is um mel blanc so the the it's like looney tunes but without any of the characters but still really bright and showy and like words appearing and and you know a lot of hijinks and it's just done so well and mel blanc like voiced most of the original looney tunes so like the um the cop he first meets he gets ticketed uh officer short shrift um it sounds exactly like yosemite sam except without the twang and it <laughs> yep. was so it's distracting um oh yeah um so yeah like so milo goes you know basically it opens with a live action milo at school oh okay yeah sorry i realized i'm, I'm jumping around but you know it doesn't we're not doing things structurally. That's what we're trying. Um, so yeah, so Milo is this this boy. He's around, you know, eight to ten, maybe ten. Mm -hmm. um, and he's sitting in school. And he's kind of staring off in space. And uh, the soundscape is just a bunch of talking. Mm. Like, and it's all like school sentences, like some math phrases, some like facts from history etc in all different voices and again you get like oh, that's mel blank right there i know mm. <laughs> which is really weird when he's saying something mathy because you're like mm. um and he just looks glum and bored and then he like leaves school and plods home and there's a song what what should we do with milo and it's all kind of slow and like the, the lyrics are just kind of like uh you know here's this boy doing nothing and then he gets home and he gets on the phone and he chats with his friend ralph and they just talk about how boring life is mm. um you know life is boring you know school is boring i just want to get home but when i'm home i just want to go back to school uh mm. and and like it that seems actually really well done it, uh, remembering being a child of talking on a phone that was attached to the wall and like the different yes. positions you would do at one point Milo's mm -hmm. got a cushion on his head because he's just bored and doing things and it feels so like childy it's great yeah nice uh, and then the thing appears and he builds the thing and a gramophone is on top of the toll booth right so he builds a toll booth and it comes with a car and it like tells him all the rules and like a car appears and then a map appears in the car and he picks it up and then the rules of the road appear and some street signs and then he He's like, I don't know if I want to do this. And it's like, mate, and the thing's like, you got to make up your mind. And he drives through and he, you see like a flat shot and he drives through the toll booth. And as the car goes through the toll booth, it becomes a cartoon. Mm -hmm. 
and he looks and he sees that he himself is a cartoon. Right. And then he backs out and he's a guy. And then there's oh, this nice. like small okay. Yeah, and there's this small montage which is very much the film part versus the book obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Of him like throwing an arm and a leg out and like poking his head out either side trying to figure out how like this barrier just makes me a cartoon on this side but like my foot can be live my head can be a cartoon and vice versa and it's just really charming and sets the tone for this will be silly mm-hmm. um and then yeah he gets in the car uh it's a, you know the the toll tells him he has to make up his mind he's like well i don't have anything better to do so he drives through and then we get like a looney tune spiral like tunnel and then he mm-hmm. shows up. Oh, sorry. The other thing that's clear uh, is he has to have a destination. It's one of the rules in okay. the rule book. It's like, where do you want to go? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, and it's one of the rules. You have to have a destination if you're going to go anywhere. Um, and so he goes. So he just looks at the map. And top of the map is a castle in the air. So he says, castle in the air, I guess. He's like, cool, go. And then he crosses over. And he goes through all the hijinks, which we don't need to go beat by beat, mm-hmm. um, right? But he's just like, you know, first thing he does is get ticketed by the officer and and, and you get a sense for things because it's just this, it's this like cop with a wheel as a, like wheels as feet. So he's both car and cop. Officer yep. Short Shrift comes and he just says guilty, 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 guilty. And, he, and then he makes up charges for Milo, to, yeah, Ooh. oddly topical, to, to be guilty of. Right. Uh, like overstructuring traffic. So he was accused of speeding. Then he said he wasn't. He's like, you you were speeding. He's like, I wasn't even moving. He's like, ah, you were overstructuring traffic. Um, and uh, and and then he goes. The officer's like, all right, do you want a long sentence or a short sentence? And Milo's like, a short sentence. And then the officer writes on a pad of paper. I am. Here, it's the shortest sentence I know. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this is this is what I mean about like reading it versus seeing it as mm. a different thing. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, you saw it written. It's really good. And then he goes, okay, now you have to report to Dictionopolis to serve your six million year sentence. <laughs> oh, no, that's a different thing. You, have to, you just have to serve your sentence. The six million years comes later. But, um, and then so he drives, he drives off and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's, he's Milo. He's bored. So he... Mm sort of it's just a straight road and so he just stops paying attention and he's leaned back and he's driving and then there's a fork in the road and it's like to dictionopolis and then the doldrums and he drives and the road slowly starts getting melty and he gets Mm. stuck and then these things come out and they're like i can't remember what they're called but they're like half translucent and melty and they're all like whoa where are the doldrums and then Mm -hmm. he's like he talks about laughing, and they're like, you can't laugh in the doldrums because you just got to be sad and bored, and you can't have ideas. And Milo's like, I don't know what to do. And that's when Talk comes to rescue him by, like, yelling and barking at them. Uh, and then Talk's just like, um, you know, you're, you're stuck. The only way out of the doldrums is to use your mind to think. Use your imagination. Uh, and so he... Um, uh, he he thinks it's like, you know, uh, think of uh, fish that fly and birds that swim. And then he just like, starts throwing ideas and then Milo starts saying like simple things and weird things and just like mm-hmm. engages his imagination and that lets him leave. And that's sort of a really good, um, that's basically what the point of the book is. is yes. It's like, and, and the movie, it's like, um, 
don't get trapped in a cycle, but also like the world is there, be present kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I was um, I was going to say it. It sounds like the um, both the book and the film are are trying to make that point. Absolutely, that that um, that you need to sort of engage. Uh, a little bit more and not just to sort of float along and, and that sort of thing and it sounds from what you're saying that it's um, quite successful in that message and, and, and putting that across in very kind of clever ways as well and using that wordplay and just the, the the way the English language can be structured and things to tell all of this um, but do you um, or, or did you read the book first or see the movie first oh, what, what well, came kind of first sense. Book. Okay. Book 100%. And I, I was like recommended by one of my teachers in elementary school and I loved it. And I mm. used to always have a copy with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was one of the first books I gave to, well, it's one of the first books I gave to my niece rather than giving to my sister to read. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Um, I actually uh, also was one of the first books I gave an ex girlfriend because, uh, you know, you talk about your youth, et cetera. And yeah. Yeah. Like, this make this thing makes me because mm-hmm. uh and now that i think about it, i'm a philosopher and logician uh and i like stri- moved through the more formal stuff once i learned it to sort of thinking about it the nature of the formal stuff my phd was on the nature of logic my master's was i made a logic to model promising yeah like uh, i've very much always been in the middle of rhyme and reason mm. um and the importance of both is just that's just who I am. Also, all the bad jokes and the punning. Like, <laughs> when I think of if, if you, like, this book is me and sort of, like, it is formative me in a lot of ways. That yes. and, like, Hitchhiker's Guide with irreverence mm-hmm. and different types of wordplay. But that's why uh, I, I geek out about it because I realize, like, even from a, a younger age than I had realized, these things appealed to me. Mm. Um, but also, I think I, or I did kind of learn the lesson. Um, it's actually probably a good po- moment to just, um, I meant to send you this before, um, but uh, Norton Juster, the, the gentleman who wrote this and passed away last week at 91, um, was an architect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, lived in New York, mm-hmm. and he got a grant to write a children's book about cities because he, he was arguing that basically, basically he had an idea for a book. Uh, and he got a grant, and he um, was guilty about not progressing with it, um, and ended up writing a bunch of pieces about a kid named Milo, uh, who. Um, so yeah, he he basically he, apparently was inspired by a boy who approached him on the street, and they talked about the nature of infinity, and he wanted to write a story about a boy who asked too many questions. Um, but what ended up happening uh, is it kind of inverted, and that boy is kind of Milo at the end of the film. Right. And so what what I find really cool is um, uh, the idea is basically Milo. No one's explained why learning is important, why school is important, mm. and like the beauty of learning to Milo. That's why he kind of just goes through the motions, um, and Norton Juster wanted to um, uh, write a book that sort of spoke to the importance of learning, learning mm-hmm. and loving learning. Uh, and so things like um, memorization and rote learning are kind of 
you know, simple flat characters do that. Mm-hmm. Um, while, uh, yeah, so, so, and overly wordy for the wordy's sake is like multiple times, like lambasted in the book. Right. Um, it's very much about understanding, learning, um, and the, like the why behind it. Uh, so for example, uh, the humbug, um, says a slavish concern for the composition of words is the sign of a bankrupt intellect. Um, and it's, uh, it's such a wonderfully, wonderfully crafted sentence because it is itself. Yes. Right. Uh, it's someone trying to sound important while saying a thing that slams them in their ability, like their attempt to sound important. And the humbug is, is this sort of pretentious type character. Mm -hmm. He's got like, yeah, it's, um, but yeah, so the idea is um, education is really important and you shouldn't, if you're bored with learning, then either the teaching is wrong or no one's bothered to explain to you why learning is great, mm -hmm. probably a combination. And then the other thing is basically um, sometimes some rules are dumb. Right. Right, because you have this tension between Dictionopolis and Digitopolis where it's like, in Dictionopolis, you can't ever mention a number. Um, so, for example, Milo and uh, and the humbug, the humbug and the spelling bee have a r disagreement, uh, and Milo gets and like the market stall of letters because letters are things you can eat, etc. Yes, uh, right. The market stall of letters and buying and selling, etc., is just kind of ruined, and the officer comes in, and uh, yeah, and so. Milo gets charged with it, and then again he's like, "You can't charge you, you. You can't judge me. Like only a judge can like sentence me, because he said six six million years in prison." And he's like, "No." And so the officer turns into Judge Short Shrift, and he's like, "Well, you can't take me to jail. It's only a jailer." Switches to Jailer Short Short Shrift because he's also that. But he gets sentenced, and then the king had already invited him to dinner. The king invites him over. He's like, "Well, I can't help you because I have to serve my six million year sentence." And it's like six million years. That's a number. You can't do that. So the sentence is destroyed because it has a number in it. Perfect, <laughs> right? And and it, it, it's such a good way of showing how stupid and arbitrary and like close-minded the Azaz is being. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, so it's it's a lot of it, it's like these very complex th themes done in very silly, obvious ways in such a good, um, yeah, such a solid thing. And so. Mm. And he like meets all, all kinds of people, like the weatherman. That's the weatherman who can yep. tell you whether something will be or not. And it, like, and he has the balloons of, that are questions of all the, the, the five W's and H. And like, it's basically, um, he's like the weatherman. I'm much more important. You, it's much more important to know whether the weather will change than the weather. Uh, and then you find in in prison, there's the witch, which is the weatherman's sister. Again, classic. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, the whole premise is like he then convinces Azaz that things would be better with rhyme and reason because his kingdom kind of doesn't work because, of course, it doesn't have numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when he first meets Azaz, oh, this is the other thing. It's a musical, the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Um, mm. And so Azaz sings this song, which is basically like, you can't uh, like you can't have one fine day without the day 
you can't uh, you know he says all these like turns of phrases and cho like it says like the evidence that words are better than numbers is like you need the word to make the sentence to make sense mm-hmm. um and then when we meet the mathematician there's another the song is sung again but it's inverted so you can't have one defined day without the one right and it's like they it, it's and i can't remember in the book how they do it but the, the songs are the extant new stuff mm-hmm. and i think that makes it more accessible to younger kids yeah because obviously like eight is quite you know it's like a i think eight ish eight plus book to read like or read together and i think the important thing and i say that because it's the act of being the one doing the reading versus being read to is so yes. important because of like the the wordplay um because i think you would still enjoy it when you were younger you could follow it but some of that richness would be lost because so much of it is like in the act of doing mm. but watching it you get the jokes and the songs and the visuals a lot easier yep um, and there's things like the awful din, which the Doctor Dissonance, who's like a like almost like the uh, Wizard of Oz in his cart at the beginning of that, like that type of snake oil salesman, and just sells bad noises because he thinks the world should be full of them. And and then Milo's like, I've never. He's like, Have you? Here's my assistant, the awful din. He's like, oh, I've never met an awful din. And then he goes into this. Are you sure? Because like. When you're making a racket, when your mom's on the phone, what does she say? Stop that awful din. And it gives all these examples. You're, you know, in traffic, all that awful din. He's like, so you've met him before. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's just like a whole bunch of side characters that they meet along the way that give small lessons. Um, but all, and sometimes some of them are really small. Some of them is just fun wordplay. Like, um, it, and so they go to Dictionopolis, then they go to Digitopolis. Oh, so he convinces, so he gets a bag full of, all the words that form ideas and answers. And then when he leaves Digitopolis, he gets a pencil that can do all the maths. Mm-hmm. These are the tools he will use. Um, but the other thing is, I, again, this shows just like, uh, he's like, so he convinces as uh, the math magician, okay, things would be better with rhyme and reason back who are banished in the castle of the air. And he says, yes, but wait, does my brother agree with you that they should be back? Because if he agrees with you, I'm never going to agree to it. Mm-hmm. And Milo's like, yes. But what if I convinced you that you agreed on something? And then he does a, a little a little proof. He goes, okay, so we agree that you, if your, your brother agrees with something, you'll disagree. And you'll agree. If, and if you agree with something, he'll disagree. But that means you both agree to disagree. So you agree on something. And he has this little proof. Mm-hmm. And it's what I, I like. I really love it because I didn't realize at the time. But of course, like so much of like, full, like real math, like when you're not just doing mathematics, when you're like d- doing pure mathematics or on the edge, you're doing proofs, and they're all, they're often wordy, right? Like yes. you're you're not dealing with just one plus one equals two. And I was like, ah, oh. they literally put a mathematical proof structure in the thing, even though he's the math magician, and like all the most of the puns and stuff are based on numbers because they're more tangible because people don't. Yeah, kids don't quite get what math is, yes. right, yeah. in the abstract. But they put an abstract mathematical proof in, and it makes sense, and you get it, because it's just the underlying logic of the situation, right? And you get it, and it's silly, and it works, and you're like, well, that... Like, real people would be like, no, I'm not buying your shit. Like, you're just <laughs> fucking around. But as a mathematician, like, oh, I, logic is sound, gotta do it. I guess I'll, I'll give you this pencil, go rescue the princesses. Um, anyway, uh, so... Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to, oh, the, I guess, 
just the other big thing is um, to get to the castle, they have, you have to go through the mountains of ignorance, and they're full of demons. Okay. But these demons are like uh, my favorite is the terrible trivium, um, who asked them for help, and he said, "Aha, okay, Milo, I want you to take here's a mound of sand." And some tweezers. Can you move the sand from here to here? And then he goes to the humbug. He says, here's a needle. Can you dig a hole through this rock wall so we can get through? Uh, I can't remember what he does with the watchdog. But the whole point is, like, some tasks are dumb, mm -hmm. right? And, like, they're trivial and they shouldn't be done, right? But instead, it's a demon they have to fight. And, like, talk is, like, has the wherewithal to be like, no, this is bad. You're the terrible trivium. Um, and then, like, they meet the senses taker. That's census taker. Um, and they he's like gets their names and he's like, I'm gonna and they're like, Oh, we gotta get away. He's like, I'm gonna take away your sense of direction and your sense of duty so you won't leave. Mm. And the way to, they fought that is talk remembers that they got a bag of laughter from the dissonance guy with the awful din. And so they opened the bag of laughter and they all started laugh, laughing and he, he couldn't take their sense of humor. So right. the census taker failed. Like things like that. Um, but like, so in the middle of like just silly punny wordplay, the sense taker doesn't make sense. Is like things like the terrible trivium, which is making a point, right? That like some tasks trivial and they don't matter. And if they, if it's both, you shouldn't do them. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> right. Which for a pro school thing is like, oh God, I've just realized I think I took that lesson too much to heart because every report card for like from the fifth grade to the 12th had zeros on it because it was some shitty assignment i'm like this is dumb i'm not doing it yeah because i was that kid and my mom that drove my mom batty i have not actually put together that the terrible trivium is definitely that feeling mm -hmm. of it's not just it's trivial but it's like well why are we doing this mm -hmm. why not I, I love how with the uh, kind of you know you, you've already picked out some of the points where you feel that this is sort of rubbed off on you but actually talking through it you're like oh I, you know i hadn't quite made that that kind of connection uh between these sorts of things and you can see even more so how this has kind of influenced you or at least rubbed off in some sort of way in uh in, in sort of you know during your formative years um and establishing kind of the person that you are and i think that's one of the excellent things about um uh, about not children's books, but 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 books for younger people, or even movies for young people, to help them to explore and uh, and establish things that they enjoy, or the way that they will be looking at the world and, and stuff. And it's really important to have a, a a broad range of these things, and not you know not just to sort of go, hey, my parents like I don't know Marvel or Star Wars or this, and this is what I'm going yeah. to you know trying to have a huge range of different sort of genres and writers and things like this. And this isn't something like, I've never heard of this before, nor the nor the author. So from your explanation, it's definitely something that, uh, I mean, already we, we, you've, you've sort of sold it to me in kind of like 40 minutes. That I'm definitely going to go and and watch this. And I'll, I'll, as you say, if the film is maybe a little bit more accessible to a younger audience, it might be something that maybe not this year, but when Evelyn's, more sort of five or six or something like yeah. that because with her being in reception and in school she's super interested in this kind of thing you know, how numbers work how language works she'll repeat stuff back to us and say that doesn't make any sense surely you say it like this and she's all about that kind of thing at the moment so it seems like within this kind of next year that it would be a good thing to 
introduce her to. Uh, the, the the question I kind of have to bring us back to the book and the film is, are there many differences between the two? Is there sort of big chunks of the book that are missed in the film? Or do you feel that even, even if there is, that it's successful in hitting all those beats? Could you... Could you recommend the movie without sort of then saying, but you should read the book? I mean, I think, yeah, I think, like I said, the um, uh, the big thing is that you just don't. Oh, okay. I also did the thing where I kept saying Mel Blanc when I needed to say Chuck Jones. It's just, Chuck Jones is the main animator yes. guy behind Looney Tunes. Mel Blanc is just a huge, is the voice um, voice yeah. actor. Yeah. Um, so Chuck Jones is 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 the uh, is um, the musical film director. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, I just got that wrong, but I realized. Okay, um, so there are different beasts because of their mediums. Um, yep. And like I said, I think for why it was formative for me and what I why I got so much out of it, and I've reread it a bunch of times, including being an adult, is the is is like I said, the act of reading. Um, but like I said, uh, if you're younger uh, or, or your child is younger or whatever, I, there's still stuff to get out of it. And mm-hmm. also, I think making it a musical and sort of giving it this other edge to make up for sort of the dulling of, you know, not being able to go through the words and seeing those connections and yes. making them is really smart. Also, some of the ways that I think they. Like, I can't remember if the weatherman actually had... Bal- yeah, he did have weather balloons. That's right. That's what that is. Sorry. I was trying to remember how much of the visual gags, like, translated. Um, mm. But some of it isn't quite the same. Mm. And, in fact, I think the way the climax is done is shortened. Um, right. And, like... So so there's definitely some bits that are different. Because um, I think... So the time flies thing is a thing in the book that's not in the movie, I don't think. Um Milo just, I think, for time constraints, etc. Milo just sort of goes and though uses the weather balloons to get down the mountain. Yeah. Because once you go up the stairs to the castle in the air, the stairway disappears. But talk was knocked out at the time in the movie, but I don't think it was in the book. I haven't read right. the book in a while because I had uh, my copy is in Canada. It was one of the things I was going to pick up last Easter when I visited. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so there's some differences in, like, I know my vague recollection is the signs that came with the car were used somewhere, and they just weren't in the movie, Mm -hmm. which is odd because they were introduced, but I think that was just part of the, like, this is the detail. Um, I really like it. I think it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's simpler, uh, which makes it flatter, um. But in some ways, it's really uh, cool because, like, um, there's a guy who conducts the sunset and sunrise and rainbows, mm. um, which is an interesting premise to read about. But seeing that happen, but also basically the guy's like, I need to take a nap. Uh, I need to sleep, wake me up before sun so I can do the sunrise. Uh, and then the humbug whispers, and because humbug is kind of like the bad voice on the shoulders, like talking the humbug for mm-hmm. Milo. Um, uh, and he's just like, 
you could just like we need to get going you could just direct the sunrise and you won't even have to like wake him up and then milo tries and he fucks everything up because <laughs> okay. he doesn't know what he's doing yeah sorry i just realized that it's a family <sighs> damn it i was yeah I don't um because this is an episode that you know if you were interested in but it's i mean whatever so he messes everything up uh and you know like the moon comes out at the same time as the sun and the stars are out and like everything's going wrong because he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know how to do the thing uh and they kind of just run away from it mm. uh in the movie and i think in the book maybe he gets scolded i can't remember mm-hmm. um but obviously as a film and with really cool imaginative talented animators behind it seeing the cacophony of of what sunrises sunsets and celestial bodies at the same time would look like especially that chuck jonesy style Mm. is really cool um and that's the thing you get out of the movie you can't get out of the book in the same way because the descriptions of the visual kind of don't work as well right Mm -hmm. it's just a sort of give and take yeah um but yeah mostly i think i was gonna say it's 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 difficult then to um, to kind of remove the two from each other. So I I always prefer to read a book before I see a movie, just because of that visual impact it will have on my own imagination when yeah. reading a book. So it might be I say that I'd introduce Evelyn to this, you know, in a in a year or so or something. But then maybe I'd try and introduce the book to her several years later when her recollection of the movie might be you know not not even there if she watches it when she's sort of five and then reads the book when she's when she's 10 dependent on how much she sort of takes in but to try and separate that at least to allow your kind of imagination its own uh, freedom to express and understand what's kind of going on i think it's really important with books that you don't get stuck with someone else's interpretation um, of um, visuals that you know because your your imagination and your brain is a wonderful thing and can come up with so many different interpretations for things and put its own sort of stamp on stuff so yeah interesting kind of uh, a further and bigger question really about um, people's interpretation of different things and how we should all have our own kind of uh, yeah. um, you know I mean, stamp on so what stuff. I will say is the, the thing about the book is it, so um jester lived in a shared his house with jules pfeiffer who is a cartoonist okay and found out he was writing a story about a boy and they ended up illustrating the phantom tollbooth right um and so i think that helps bridge that gap but like Mm. for me i remember i still remember those pictures and that style just because i read the book first maybe but like even like it's sort of one of those things where as a like you know illustrator sort of like like pens like outlines no, no color no mm-hmm. you know, cartoon illustration um that's what milo looks like to me so it's kind of doing that thing that you're saying oh it'd be good the, the book has its own visual tone yep, which helps okay. bridge the gap between the two and it's very different from the chuck jones movie mm. so i think in that way it kind of is fine um but i think and I, but I can't imagine the book without mostly because it's it's a it's a chapter book with illustrations. So there's it's, yeah. it's again at that age group. Um, uh, but now that I think about it, like 
I wonder if I read the book how much because it just you know I rewatched the movie this past day for this episode how much of it I would um be adding like especially things that aren't drawn mm, mm. um so yeah I mean it is an interesting um thing about adaptations etc right like tons of people say this about Harry Potter right like yes you read yeah. the books before the movies came out did you and then since has that affected your sort of mental conception of Harry Potter is it now stuck forever as Daniel Radcliffe even though you had slightly different mm-hmm. thing um yeah hmm but I think I think it la- I mean especially because the, the the illustrations which are not you know a lot but they're really good um I think it'd be fine to to push back against that well now you just have the moving picture in your head yes um yeah uh so cool um one thing i will say about the end of the the movie Mm -hmm. um just because i think it it encapsulates kind of what the the it's like the thesis statement because milo milo gets to the castle and he meets ryman reason they're like uh Hey, welcome milo and he's like how do you how, how do you know my name he's like oh we sent for you she, they're like what w-, he's like what are you talking about i just i was just sitting around and a tobu showed up and they're like oh well you know we we're stuck here and what we needed was um a child so uh bored they would do anything and go anywhere <laughs> to save us and then milo goes um and then they go, but also someone with the courage, uh, curiosity, and kindness to get the to, to do the job. Yeah. That's why we sent for you. Uh, and then he goes, but I, I screwed everything. Like I, but I'm not good. Like I screwed everything up. I ruined the sunset. I got trapped in the doldrums. All these things. And they go, like, right. But like, you learn from your mistakes. And I can't remember. That. It's like often we learn more from the mistakes we make. Uh, basically, the things we try and fail at than the things we fail to try at something like some some wordplay like that some inverted wordplay i'm mm. getting a little mixed up but and again like that's the sort of the secondary thesis of the thing is like go do go live learning isn't about being right it's not about following a rule it's about like the act of learning itself um and that gives him the like push to figure out how to get them out of the castle which is talking to the weatherman etc i think it's a how in a here balloon and then they go and pick up talk and the humbug on the way and they rescue the and another song plays and it's basically kind of the end except he drives off into the sunset and then ralph is still on the phone with him waiting asking where he's been for the past in the book it's an hour and in the film it's five minutes right okay uh and then the film ends with ralph being like wait hold on a second something's appeared in my room uh nice and so Milo hangs up the phone. Yeah. Which is a very crisp ending. Um, but yeah, it's such it's a nice idea of like a roaming toll booth solving the like doldrums and uh, teaching kids to learn to love learning. Mm, mm. But also it's a nice message that this isn't, it's kind of a one-off story. As you say, there's this roaming toll booth that you you can be that kid. That if, if you are bored, there is always something that can pull you out of it whether it's 
an adventure that you go on with your friends, whether it's a story, you know, so many different things. That's a really nice sort of message to, to finish on. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I've skipped a bunch. Uh, mm-hmm. I, can watch nice it. Little... I can watch it for myself now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this, this is why. It, it, it's just, it's really sweet. And I think the message is, it's very, cl- I think it's, hard to do this it's very hard to make uh something with an obvious message on its sleeve that doesn't seem like it's preaching mm. it's not and or like mechanically forcing on you and it's just it's clearly a labor of love where it's like you know so many parts of it are just pushing that gen- general theme forward but it's still entertaining and fun and there's dumb jokes and there's like like i think the way they beat some of the demons is like using the bag of ideas and combining words and numbers mm. and in the m- movie there's one point where um he pulls forth right out and draws a giant four and uses the four as a bow and the four word the long word forthright as an arrow um and i think if i if i recall correctly there are clever bits there when they're fighting the demons in the mountain of ignorance um but also um Visually, it's just easier to use them as physical items. Et yes, right? yes. Um, yeah, and and the songs are fun. Um, you know, it um, it makes it more of a. I think like I think the musical aspect of the the, the movie makes it a lot like it scales the age down a bit because mm-hmm. some of the stuff gets simpler because it's a movie and a musical and they're like singing songs and if you don't get each lyric of the song, you still get the gist that. Words are wonderful things. And yes. If you don't recognize an aphorism, it's fine because the next one's coming along. And all you have to do is see that what he's saying is a, bu- is a bunch of sentences with numbers and words in them. And he's saying the words are important. And then you see later sentences. And if you don't clock that it's the same sentences, that's fine. You see that he's saying the numbers are important. Yeah. And you realize that. And and it's just as obvious uh, in the movie, in the book, that th- this is silly. Mm-hmm. Like the sentence doesn't work without either part. Hmm. It's it, it's interesting to see maybe where this would have um, influenced sort of other things because as you're saying this, there's lots of uh, more modern Disney films, um, and I've got like Frozen in my head because my daughter loves watching. She she loves these mm. kinds of Disney films, um, similar kinds of things. But the way that even in their songs they use a lot of that kind of language as well. So that I, I think in one of the like you know. Um, I can't remember which the song is, but they um, one of the characters says, uh, "All my life has been a series of doors in my face," and it, it kind of you know they can visually show those kinds of things without it being that, and she's sort of taking you through this uh, sort of area and sort of element of her life, and it kind of links up all of the different sentences with different things and stuff. So it's interesting to see how we've got this kind of not modern version of this, but how it is still being you know it's not language that we've decided. Or, or the use of language, which we've gone, ah, it's not modern enough anymore for us to kind of get. It, it is a not maybe not timeless kind of thing, but even though this is something sort of from the seventies, it still very much works now, and you can see how it is still being used. This this kind of structure and this kind of way that language is used um, is still being used in sort of modern films as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that. You know, a lot. Some adults don't read anymore, but all children mm. this age read, and they're learning to read. Um, 
and they're also learning ideas um, in like the general sense of ideas as a concept or, or, or being processed in a way that we take for granted. Um, but because you also see this in like um, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is this book, apparently Norton Jester hadn't read Alice in Wonderland, um, but they're very similar. Like bored kid hits a world that's like, absurd and illogical at times mm. um and fights against elements of the kingdom to ultimately save it you know very broad strokes but you can sign as there's better parallels but i i'm not writing an essay on that i'm just saying like you, they're very similar but also the absurd like alice in wonderland is sort of treats the imagination in the more absurd way mm -hmm. of like some of the stuff is just nonsense but nonsense re real because of wonderland uh while and when Alice leaves, she just went on a journey while, like, the whole point of this book is... So, like, actually, what I skipped was after the hang-up, we see Milo at the end of the movie, and he's... And it's a montage of him walking to school and in school, and he's smiling, and he's paying attention, and he's laughing with his friends. And it's just a mirror of the pre first scene of the movie mm. where it's just bored Milo and things are happening at him and kind of washing over. And, like, the whole point of this book is Milo figured out how to, like, appreciate school and learning and um, just kind of, kind, of, kind of be present, to use more modern language. Mm -hmm. um, and he say, and the kingdom was, a, the absurdity of the kingdom had to do with the fact that Rhyme and Reason were locked away in a castle. Because, like, especially in the book, it makes it clear, but, like, without numbers, Dictionopolis doesn't work. Without words, Digitopolis doesn't work. When they come back... Um, and numbers and words can be in both kingdoms. The kingdoms sort of stop being as, some of the absurd parts don't don't work. Mm. Um, so like Officer Short Shrift stops being everyone's guilty immediately, looking for charges, and it becomes like more like our more a typical idea of justice. Yep. Like in search of the correct version of events rather than fabricating charges. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Like it's just. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think that's why, though, like with Alice in Wonderland, with Disney films, with this, The Phantom Tollbooth, why these types of themes are quite common. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um. Yeah, I think that's all the all my nattering about this. I hope I've convinced. It sounds like I convinced you yes. to at least watch it. Um, yeah. I uh. So cause, right. So because Norton Jester died um, mm -hmm. last week. And I don't have a copy, so I ordered a copy. And the modern cover is the old, like the original cover of the book is a Pfeffer drawing of Milo and, and Talk. Uh, and the modern one has like more generic children's book cover. And I, it just right. offends me kind of because it's just like <laughs> I grew up with this. I even like gave away copies and, and it, for like years, for decades, it's had the same cover. And now it just looks like, like you wouldn't pick it up off a shelf. Right. Okay. It's just such a boring cover. So. The default Amazon cover was bleh. So I found a different bookseller, which was selling it for about the same price. Um, but obviously not next day shipping. Mm. Fine. Boycott Amazon. Bezos is needing more money. Treat people better. Um, uh, yeah, so I ordered it, but it hasn't come yet. But uh, I'm going to read it right away. Mm -hmm. But um, when it's here, once I mean, it'll take me like a day probably. Uh you should drop by and pick it up. If you yeah, want. absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and then uh, maybe maybe in at some later date we can 
top off a podcast with did Ben enjoy it or is it dill full of <laughs> doo doo? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Um, excellent. Um, yeah, so hopefully I've convinced you, the viewers, to at least check out one, if not the other or both. Uh, but also, uh, I'm super curious from you, Ben, as well as you, the listener, um, if there's something similar that, like, from your childhood, it doesn't have to be a book, but like something that, like, you have a really fond, a strong fondness or attachment to that you've sort of realized over the years how much of an impact it had, whether it was formative or, it's hard to tell, like, chicken or egg, right? Yes. It, did this help shape, or is it because I'm this way that I loved it? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if there's a, a something, um, yeah, something you have that's similar in this sort of, I have such a strong affection and I can offer it to people as an explanation of kind of how my brain works. Um, if you have something like that, uh, for you, Ben, for a future episode maybe, mm-hmm. but also viewer, would love to hear um, if you have those things or whether it's a set of things, you know. Yes, yeah. I, and, I, I think I can answer that. Not uh, I, not answer it now in terms of giving you a specific thing, but I think it, for me it is a set of things. For me there's lots of different things. Uh, not just media. Like one that we, we, we probably won't go into would be Lego. Like Lego is absolutely formative for me in terms of um, leading me down exactly leading me down sort of the path into construction and and, and those sorts of things. Um, so uh, there are definitely some entertainment products that I can I can talk about in the future. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I actually think. Um, aha. As the as the topic producer, um, we should definitely do an episode on Lego. We can, we can do an episode. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sets you remember mm-hmm. from your past, things you built, crushing defeats of Lego, <laughs> and that sometimes someone t- comes over and takes a piece or two or a minifig that was your favorite. Mm. You know, mm. yeah, we'll definitely do do an episode on Lego. I really like that. Um, also, um, just as we wrap up here, um, listeners. Uh, let us know about what you think about um, the sort of shifts in formats and, and whatnot. Um, and while you're writing things down the internet on the internet about Geek Out Weekly, you could always rate and review it on your podcast service of choice. Um, slash share it with friends, family, loved ones, person you hate but happens to have good taste in children's books. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, and you and yeah, so you can you can. Get us at uh, podcast at outoflives.net, uh, or you can just tweet us links and pictures of you and your favorite stuff with uh, on our Twitter uh, at outoflives.net. Um, if you want to do specific uh, Lego-based communication, um, reach Ben at Nova underscore 47, mm-hmm. and myself at The Omniarch, um, and then also visit outoflives.net for our other podcasts and shows and VODs and articles, etc. Mm-hmm. I think that's all the things of plugging. Yeah, absolutely. If you I'm tired of doing the specific plugs, I think that's just a waste of completely. Money. If you if you do want to come and chat to us more generally about entertainment, games, films, beer, uh, books, or anything that we talked about today, then you can come and join us on our Discord as well. Um, which at some point we're going to put out as a Click a button to make it searchable. Yeah. I haven't looked at that yet. Too much. Yeah. Uh, oh, the but other thing is, uh, if you have things that you want us to take a look at, hmm. uh, 
you know, even if it wasn't a magic thing from your youth. Um, spoiler alert: we are going to do the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I mean, it's what is it? Four hours, one minute, and something seconds. Well, yeah, I mean, the real thing is, I I don't think we quite have it in us to, to do the original cut first. Uh, I didn't watch the original cut that long ago. Oh, because oh, Kim great. had so, so I've, I've seen read. it twice. I think I watched it when it came out, and then Kim and I found it randomly on I don't know some streaming service, whatever one it's currently on, because we'd watched um, BBS Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman, the yeah. first one. So then we watched. I've never watched Batman versus Superman. Don't. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, Kim wanted to watch it like uh, a month or six weeks ago or something like that. So I oh, have okay. seen so it, it quite recently. Fresh, yeah. yeah, great. So now I have to rewatch it. <laughs> you don't have to. Fair, um, but yeah. So, so I mean, obviously, that's just a thing. It, it, I mean, watching the Snyder Cut is like a have to episode, I think, for us. But. Um, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, but, you know, outside of Lego and the Snyder Cut and a couple other things, um, we'll see. Uh, we're also going to keep trying to do things like we did with Narratives, the Narrative Week. Uh, mm. We're just going to continue playing around with what it means to geek out on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah, bring some friends on and let them let them do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to stop listening to me ramble on about plot points and whatnot. <laughs> uh, but if you like that... Tune in for the upcoming podcast, Plot Points, with a dill. <laughs> Not going to happen. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to me. I'm glad I convinced you. Yes. Um, I, I was pretty sure it would happen. If, if Just a few of those very silly puns, I was like, ah, I think I've got them. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all it takes these days. Uh, well, hell, it's lockdown. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I've been a dill. Uh, I've been Ben. Bye. See ya. www.outoflives.net